welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm Aussie Pastor, and it is a raging hot day here in Sydney. Hunty, how are you, mate? G'day, mate. Good to see you in the studio. That's good. Life treating you well? Yeah, well, it is now. You've arrived. <laughs> I'm much happier to see <laughs> you. I, I tell you what, I set an all-time record today. I came in later than I've ever come in, and there is a reason, isn't there, Andrew? There is. There's a very kind reason. I've been in the studio since early, and you brought me lunch. I did. Yes. But the problem is, I stopped at a servo to get him a, a, a egg sandwich. Sambo. Yep. And uh, a drink, uh, uh, a fat-free drink. Oh, did you get me fat-free? <laughs> Is that fat-free? He'd be very unhappy. Oh, no, it's, the horror. It's not. Oh, good. It's not. It's full fat, mate. Don't worry. Um, so I stopped at a server. That didn't work. Stopped and, and, and I stopped at a number of places. Ended up having to go into Woolworths to buy the drink and then to a specialised Sanger shop. And I got him a sandwich oh, and a muffin on beautiful. a special. Egg. Sambo, and they, so nice. they made the sandwich brand new, man. It's as fresh, fresh, so fresh, as fresh as can be. We're glad you're here You're so glad, listeners. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we want to give you a great big warm welcome, and I want to ask Hunty to open with a prayer. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that we have this opportunity again this afternoon to spend time together with our listeners, Lord. I pray that you'll bless them abundantly, and that everything we do this afternoon will be to your honour and glory. But respect you, Lord. Please grant our listeners peace, I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. October 24th. 298th day of the year, Andrew. Oh, man. Not- yeah, it's, you know, it's only 10 Fridays till Christmas. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yep. Are, you, are you getting me a Christmas present? Uh, do I normally? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't normally get me a birthday present. I scored one of them from you this yeah, year. So you only turned 60 once. So I can live in hope. <laughs> um, some of the things that happened on this day, October 24. 1596, the second Spanish Armada left for England. 1596. They were going to invade England. Problem was, they got caught in a storm, sunk half the fleet, and the rest turned home, and uh, they never made it to England. 1857, I found this one, October 24, found this very interesting. Sheffield Sheffield Football Club was founded. Now, that's no big deal, except Sheffield Football Club in England is the oldest football club in the world. Cool. 1861, first continental telegraph line is completed across the United States. What's that mean, auntie? Ah, telegraph. That's where they could send Morse code by sending little bursts of electricity along a cable from one end of the country to the other. So they would have had a cable from one end of the country to the other. Big, thick copper cable. Would have cost them a fortune. It would have cost a lot of money even now to do that, wouldn't it? Correct. And that was where they'd tap, tap, tap the messages out. That's right. Yep. Okay, that was 1861. 1889. Henry Parks delivers a Tenterfield oration. Do you know what that is? Uh, oration is a speech, isn't it? What's the Tenterfield oration from Henry Parks? Tenterfield? This no, is in 1889. No idea, it was in Tenterfield that he made this very famous Australian speech. Shame on you, Andrew Hunt. Oh, I never knew what it was until today. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, it's actually pretty important to Australian history because in that oration, Henry Parks, who was the New South Wales Premier, made a speech on how all the states, the six states, should combine and become a federation. And in 1901, they just did that. And now we've got... They did that, and now we've got Australia. Excellent. And I don't care what all the naysayers say out there. Australia is a great place to live. It's a multicultural country. It's, it's, it's primarily a non-racial country. And I'm very proud of Australians, the way they treat each other racially, the way everybody's equal. It's a beautiful place, Hunty. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but on this world, it gets, it's about as good as it gets Australia. And nice. so, uh, we're all very, we're very, very, uh, 
blessed to live in this country and if you've travelled like Hunty and me, you know that for a fact. 1901, Annie Edison Taylor. First person to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel and survive. Wow. 1901. You want to hear what she said about it? Yes, please. She says, if, this, if it was with my dying breath, I would caution anyone against attempting this feat. I would sooner walk up to the mouth of a cannon knowing it was going to blow me to pieces than make another trip over the falls. Wow. She did it primarily for money, didn't get much for it, and dried a pauper. Oh. 1929, Black Thursday on the New York Stock Exchange, beginning of the Great Depression, great stock exchange fall. Uh, and that was bad times. 1938, we got the 40-hour week. That came out of the United States of America. 1945, the UN has established that a good thing, Hunty? Yes, definitely. Yeah, they're not a bad lot. Uh, they, they don't always get it right, but they're not a bad lot. 1964, Northern Rhodesia gets independence from Britain and becomes, you know what country in Africa? Oh, no. Um, Northern Rhodesia? I do. No what? Because I've been there. Which one? I went across a bridge at, at uh, Victoria Falls. Oh, right. Walked across the bridge into this country, Zambia. Zambia. Yeah. Happy Independence, <laughs> Zambian Day. Well, happy Zambia Independence Day. If you're Zambian, uh, God bless you and congratulations. Big day for you guys. Great and country. It, yeah. I, I enjoyed the yeah. half hour I spent on the other oh, side I worked, of the... I for six weeks was okay. awesome. Yep, yep. 2003, Concord makes its last commercial flight. That's kind of sad. That is sad. Birthdays, AD 51, Domitian, the Roman emperor. Bad guy. He was born in AD 51, died in AD 96. Not a good guy. Very anti-Christian. 1561, Anthony Babington. Have you heard of him? Nope. The Babington Conspiracy. You've, sure you've heard of that. You're nope. English, auntie. Nope. Uh, this was, he was an English gentleman convicted of plotting the assassination of Elizabeth I of England, who was a Protestant, and conspiring with the imprisoned Mary Queen of Scots, who was a Catholic. Because of his efforts, he was hang, ha- hanged, drawn and quartered. So he never survived. It was called the Babington Plot, and Mary's involvement in it was the basis of the treason charges against her, which led to her execution. He was a member of the Babington, very famous family. In Britain, noble family to this day. Now you know what the Babington plot is mm-hmm. um some very sad stuff 1939 the big bopper was born he died in 1969 you know who he was hunty yeah very famous uh rock and roll peanut piano player have you heard of buddy holly richie valens and jp yes. richardson yeah also very famous you know how they died 60s rockers uh plane crash they all died together in a plane crash mm. in 1969 really sad 1954 happy birthday malcolm turnbull 29th Premier of Australia. He's I know, on, he's, I know he's, a, today. he's a regular, regular listener, so <laughs> you know, out there... No, I'm joking. <laughs> do, you know, do you know why he's under the spotlight today? Oh, no, I don't. Snow River 2 looks like it's about to collapse. Uh, uh, well, I read about that. I don't, I don't think it's going to collapse. Oh, it's just costing 10 times more than they thought. Oh, I course. think they said it's going to cost $2 billion to start off with. It's going to cost 14 oh, But they are going to complete it. But everything's like that. Um, it's Wayne Rooney's birthday, 1985. He's a very famous Manchester United football player. Mm-hmm. Um, death on this day, Rosa Parks. Oh. You know who she was? Yeah. Very famous. Uh, can we say black lady? We yeah, can. yeah, on the civil yeah. rights. Yeah. She's a lady on the bus who refused to get off in the 50s. Good on her. Yeah, she did. And she started the... She really did start the, the civil the rights movement, movement which yeah. was a worthy, a righteous movement in the United States. Um, and also, Fats Domino died in this day. You know who God, he was? Great musician. It was he? Oh, yeah. Never heard him. Is oh. he a piano player too? Or? Yeah, singer and piano player. Fantastic. And special day? Water polo. Uh, world, it's World <laughs> Polio Day. Water polo. What's wrong with you, Lord? <laughs> world Polio Day. And thank the Lord, and I mean that, thank you, Lord, that polio has been knocked out. Word of the day. Oh, yes. I'm going to try and say this properly. Quintessence. 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 Q-U-I-N-T-E-S-S-E-N-C-E. 
Do you know what that means? No, I could take a guess. I thought you might have known what that meant. No. Nah. It's a formal word that can refer to the most typical or perfect example of something. So yes. it means a perfect example of something. Quintessential being the, the Yeah, yeah. The that's, that's, it's it's another word from quintessence. Cool. Or the most important part of something. So, it's a, so let me give you a, it in a word, in a <laughs> Here sentence. Here we go. Queensland is a quintessence <laughs> of what a rugby league team, while New South Wales is aberrant. <laughs> Do you like that? No. New South Wales. I'm going to play the music over you in a sec. Hey, we're glad you're here today. God bless you. We hope you have a great day. I want you to listen to this as we start our program today. This little testimony from a guy. His name is Michael. I can't say his last name. Can you, Hunty? Uh, I, could, I tried to learn it. I could train her. Have a go. I could, what do you, I, I, I just name is Michael Chutorena, and this is a testimony on faith. From the time I, I was from middle school, I started doing drugs, hanging with the wrong crowds. I thought by getting into gangs, I would um, become someone bigger than who I was. I started selling drugs, got busted when I was in junior high. I was in a gang life, so we constantly would rob people. It got really bad to the point where I became uh, an alcoholic, drug addict. I ended up making several trips to the hospital because I had heart issues. My body couldn't handle it. I also did prison time. People basically stopped hanging around with me because they didn't trust me. It got so bad with my drug use, I was stealing from my own family and from loved ones. And I became someone that I actually thought I would like, but in fact, I actually hated myself. I wanted to get out of that life. I wanted to change my life. I didn't want to be that same person anymore. I remember when I was younger that I used to go to church. I remembered faith. My mother had faith that um, I was going to come through and, and drop drugs, drop drinking, drop the, the gang life. And I applied this faith into my own life. I, I believed that God could help me. I believed that he was the one that was going to turn my life around. And even though I carry um, tattoos of my past life, I knew that he would change me totally from the inside. You know, things started changing once I dropped the old friends, once I dropped the old life, once I stopped drinking, once I stopped doing drugs. Through faith, I was able to stop doing drugs on my own. I could hold a job longer. Uh, people actually started trusting me again. I met my wife. My son started respecting me more. And that's what faith means to me. That's what the love of God means to me. Right now, all I can say is through faith, I'm going up.
Not you, I mean me. Turn it on, turn it on. Hit your mute button. Yeah, I have a mute button here. Uh, that's It Will Be Worth It All Worth It All by the Browns. It's a beautiful song. And you know what? There's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world today. It will be worth it when we see Jesus. Amen. Sometimes it doesn't seem it would. You could be, will be. You could be going through a really bad time at the moment. Perhaps you're not making it with temptation or you've got a bad relationship that's going down or things aren't working at, at the office or wherever you work or perhaps you're, you're just struggling full stop in life and you think, man, am I going to make it through? Well, look to the fact, the reality, the truth that Jesus will come soon and this will all, the pain and the challenge and the struggle of life will all be over and we'll be with Jesus forever in heaven and I can't wait. And I'm an Aussie and I believe that, hunty. Yeah, me too. I'm an ordinary Aussie and I believe that, mate. Uh, News of the day, man. Yeah, what have you got? Uh, Billionaires right around the world pay no tax. 
In fact, did you know that most billionaires pay less tax personally than you and I, according to this news article? Yeah, according to the news article, yes. Well, they've got an idea coming out of Britain. You know what it is? What's that? Every single billionaire has to, every year, pay 2% of their their income, their worth. Their net worth. To the government. Right. And it would raise $300 billion a year. And I think that's just. And in, they've got offshore. That's shelf just companies. in Britain. They've got they've got they've got hundreds and hundreds of different ways to move money around the world. I think it's easy when you're not a billionaire to hit the billionaires over the head. Sure, but I'm not sure that nothing much is achieved from it because no. no one really knows whether they do or they don't pay tax. But it's easy for us to sit and judge from the sidelines. Well, our mate Trump doesn't seem to be paying any. Well, you don't know. Though. You don't know though, do you? How would you know? Well, the US government said he isn't. I haven't heard that, and I'm not going to say that on radio. Are you saying that on radio? Saying that's a, that's what I've been led to believe by all the investigations going on against him. That he doesn't pay tax? Not much. Okay. <laughs> Humpty, out there, loud out there, and... dropping clangers. Loud and bold. <laughs> <laughs> I think the bottom line is, and I've often thought about tax, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're going to pay your tax, aren't you? Of course. Why? Why, Hunty? Biblically. I'm asking you that cold. That render question. unto Caesars. It's a quote that... It's a, It's a, not a quote. Jesus said. Yeah, I, I think he did say render unto Caesar what is Caesar. The things of the Caesars, meaning pay your taxes. And unto God, the things that are God. Pay your offerings. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think we should be paying... I, I think billionaires do have something to answer for. I mean, look at look at Amazon. They've got their workers on food stamps. Yet Bezos is worth, what, $50, $80 billion? Don't know enough about it. Well, I can tell you that's a fact. His, his poorest workers are on food stamps in the U.S. Why is the Why is the U.S. taxpayer subsidising employees who work for him? Why? And moving on. Yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> CyberShield. Microsoft bringing CyberShield to Australia. Fantastic. I thought you'd know a little bit about yeah, this. Fantastic. Tell us. So, look, we're a small country, and we're under constant attack. And I won't say China or Russia, but we're under constant attack. But you just from, did. Well. <laughs> I won't accuse them point blank. Oh, okay. But I will intimate that there are big countries who've got rogue actors in in their borders who are attacking us 24-7, trying to get our trade secrets and how we make things that are secret, trying to find out what we're doing with our politics and our money and our defence systems. Okay. And they're constantly hacking into our federal government and our corporate private servers looking for the dirt and the goodness. Yep. And it's time they were stopped. Yep. And I think this Microsoft initiative... So what is Microsoft um, suggesting? They're going to come in and put some more data centres. I think they've got 10 or 20 at the moment. They're going to add another 10 or 20. So they've got very hardened, bulletproof data centres where our data can sit and be safe. Yep. Without having to go across to the US. Do you reckon they really work? Well, if your data centre's safe... How how can you... Why would our data centres be any safer than the one in the United States? Because the... For example, I've got a mate who runs a data centre, and he's got thousands upon thousands of companies that have all their corporate information on his servers, and he's one of the smartest people on the the planet, and he keeps a great defence force running so that you can't hack into the server and find out their information. So he has a whole department that does that. Yeah, but he has to stay constantly aware, because the the software that he's using, he didn't write it, he's bought it. Okay. So he's just constantly looking for better software, more defences. Does it work? Yeah, but yeah. so if you had a big company, would you ha- would you have all your information just at one data center, or would you have it across you know, a couple? I'm actually a huge fan of air gapping. If I was a huge company, yep. I'd have all my sensitive information on a server with an air gap. And what the air gap word is, it's a joke. It just means it's unplugged. It's not on the internet. So why don't they do that? Uh, it's not convenient because the CEO's away in Hawaii. He wants to access his data, 
And he can't because there's a giant big air gap. So the air gap doesn't work, really. Because if it doesn't work, there's no use doing it. Uh, here's what I would do. I would have my current information, one or two years, on the server connected okay. to the internet. But all my historic archive would be air gap. Isn't it the current information, though, that places like China and North Korea and that want? Uh, they want your credit card details. And if you've ever been a customer of, say, I don't know, OPSM for sunglasses, if you've ever been a customer for them and they've got their data somewhere... And your name and address and your date of birth and your passport number or goodness knows what is sitting on a server that's 10 years old that no one's even protecting, that's what they're hacking. Yeah, it's a bit of a worry, it's which a is worry. why you use PayPal whenever you buy anything, because you never put your credit card online. That's right. If I can't use PayPal online, then I don't buy it. And then I got done by PayPal. Not by PayPal, but on PayPal PayPal myself. scam. Yeah. yeah, it did. Mm. We talked about that another time. Hey, we this did. last one, um, hostages, some hostages, they're saying... I don't know whether this is a hope for peace. You've got to be careful in these conflicts between players like Israel and Hamas because you hear these little things that bring hope. And you've got to have hope, haven't you? Because you've got 1,500 Israelis dead and 6,000 Palestinians. So that's what, seven, going on toward 8,000 people dead. Yep. So, of course, you're hoping and you're praying that this conflict will end because God loves the Palestinians and God loves the Jews. It's, he doesn't decipher between the two. And Hamas are kind of making sounds that if Israel were to stop the bombardment, they'd release all hostages. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it, Hunty? But aren't we in a giant catch-22? Didn't Israel close the border and say no more petrol for your generators, no more food supplies, no more aid, until you give us back our hostages? Well, they're saying that they might give the hostages back if Israel stops bombing them. Well, Israel's only bombing them because they flew a plane into a rock concert and killed those teenagers. No, they didn't. They, oh, okay, they flew. They didn't An ultralight, fly. whatever. Ultralight. Yeah. yeah okay. And they've been launching bombs rockets over the border. They've been attacking I, them. I, I actually uh, don't take sides on this. And I don't I, take sides I, either. No, no way. I will not take... I've got some Palestinian friends that are really close to me. I will not take Palestine's <laughs> side. I, will certainly, well, I, t- I won't take Hamas's side, and I certainly won't take Israel's side, because there are great wrongs on both sides. I know there's some audience people listening out there who take great exception to what I'm saying, but I'm here to tell you again that Jesus loves the Palestinians, and he loves the Jews too, and he loves them equally. There's not one group more important than the other. Jesus got up on the cross and died for the Palestinians. That's right. It's only a handful of Palestinians and Hamas anyway. And he got up on the cross and he died for the Israelis. So I'm not going to take sides in this war except to say it's an evil, evil thing. Correct. And when you see a glimmer of hope that perhaps they'll give the hostages back if Israel would stop bombing them, then, man, you've got to pray for that, hunty. You've got to pray for that because both sides of this conflict are terrified of each other. Correct. There's a lot of vengeance. There's a lot of blood. And uh, you just hope and pray that soon it will end so they can have peace again. Mm. I mean, you see these things and all you can do, Hunty, is look up, look up, look up and hope that Jesus will come soon. This Mm. is a little testimony, I really enjoyed this one, Hunty, of a Christian missionary maybe a hundred years ago working in Iran. Yes. Yes. But he wasn't working with Muslims. He was working with a Jew who was a rabbi in a synagogue. It's a short one, but it's a powerful one and it moved my heart when I heard it. A Christian missionary came to to the door at the synagogue and while my great-great-grandfather was greeting people, he came to him and he said, Shalom, did you know that the Messiah has come and his name is Yeshua, Jesus? And my great-great-grandfather just looked at him and he slapped him in the face and kicked him out of the synagogue. He didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. The missionary waited outside respectfully. After the service was over, he asked some people, where does that guy live? I said, oh, he just lives across the street. The next day, 
he went to my great-great-great-grandfather's home. He knocked on the door, and because of Iranian hospitality, my grandfather welcomed him into the home, served him some tea, they got to talking, and he shared more about why he believed Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. The missionary kept coming back, and he uh, eventually got to hear more about Jesus and realized he really did believe that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And not only him, but his whole family came to faith. Ended a bit. Um, it did. Sudden. Yeah, it did. Uh, anyway, Harold, uh, I think we are got you on board, my friend. How are you going? So far, so good, Lloyd. Welcome good back. To, welcome back to the show. Thank you. This is a look. When you sent me this one, I think you sent this a couple of weeks ago, and I got into it. This is a good story. Another real good one of a. I I actually have heard of this guy in history, but didn't realise his Protestant spiritual connections. Yeah, he was a great leader for the Lord. Richard Baxter. Tell us a little bit about him. When and where was Richard Baxter born? Well, he was born in the early part of the 17th century in November 1615 in Shropshire, a country area of Britain. He's a little bit different because his education was, would you call it good, bad, indifferent? Well, most of the others we've looked at have had university education. That's right. But parents 
didn't value education much, so he was only self-taught. And yet this guy, before we open up his life, raised raised himself, I guess God raised him to heady heights indeed. He sure did. He eventually goes to school, and you get the sense that it was him that was pushing to go to school. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, he went to a free school at Roxeter, and he was only there three years. So he, the bottom line is this guy's not highly educated, but he ends up in the royal court, correct? Yeah, well, there must have been some connection somewhere that got him there, and he finished up in the royal court, but he didn't like it. What, do we know what the problem with the royal court was for him? Well, he saw in the royal court everyone was very frivolous and there was superficiality. They weren't genuine people and he, he didn't like that. He wanted a genuine life. Now, some great influences come upon him and, 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 and they really did make a difference in his life. Who are these great influences? Well, there's two guys. Walter Craddock was one and Joseph Simmons. And as they worked with him and talked with him and associated with him, he felt a great pull on his soul about 1634. So he would have been something like 18 or 19 then. These are Protestants, Christians? Yes, they were. Okay. So he goes and does a little bit of study and then he gets a job. Where was he appointed? Because this is a job that kind of went with him most of his life. I think we've, uh, we've lost Harold. <laughs> that's a pity because yeah, we're, in, good. <laughs> we're, we're in mid-flight here. This is a good story, this it's one. A great too. story. Maybe, Hunty, if you're just ringing back on the phone, yeah, mate. Hey, idea. welcome, welcome to live, live. radio. Yeah. I like the story of this guy because he wasn't educated. He never had a good start in life. He didn't have great support of parents. And sometimes you can look at your life and you can say, well, that's how life was for me. But he rises to the heights. And, man, does he make a difference to England and the Protestant Reformation and the Protestant cause it really is a great story now andrew hunt yes i'm, uh, I'm, I'm ringing his home phone number let me try his mobile uh yeah oh no here we go how are we here going we go. there no, let's see. try this one shall i do a song for uh, them while we're why waiting why don't we um just one more quick second yep when no. i say when i say do a song i was going to say do you want me to sing oh no no um <laughs> can we right. play the next song let me let me play a little bit of the highlights from the weekend which we had on him sing that oh. be all right? Well, before you do that, let me tell you what Hymn Sing... I'm going to go on it, and um, I'm going to fade it down. Hymn Sing right. was a great big concert we had on Saturday night, near on a 1,000 people, and these are some of the highlights from it, while my mate Andrew yes. tries to find Harold. Yeah. Got him. 
Okay, fantastic stuff, Hunty. I don't know where we'd be without you, mate. Uh, <laughs> do such wonderful things. How are you going there, Harold? You're back with us, mate? Yeah, we're back with you. I don't know what happened then. Well, we're, we were talking about the fact that he got appointed after some education, some time in the Royal Court, these people who were influencing him towards Protestantism. Then he gets a job. Tell us about that. Well, well he met, read these after meeting Craddock and Simmons, he then read books by Edmund Bunny and Richard Sibbs and William Perkins, and from his infusion, he comes to conversion, then to conversion, he's confessing to Jesus, he just wants to be a Christian. Um, okay. They're dropping out again. Let me let me just try one more thing, Harold. Try your home phone. <laughs> We're working hard here in the studio today. I've got a beeping in the... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Still beeping, hunty. Right, Don't you try. love live radio? Yeah, we'll try his mobile. Ah, right. okay. Is this his mobile or his home phone? Yeah. Hey, you there, Harold? Yep. All right, we'll try this oh, one. Oh, that's sounding that's really good. Sounds much better. Go on, Harold. Okay, let's try it now. Sorry for that. Yep. Um, so you're, t- you're telling us about the job that he got. Yeah, well, he, then, he was uh, master of a grammar school, so he must have been a great teacher to be a master there. And he went from Dudley to Bridge North, and he stayed there for two years. So he was a great educator. He was. Um, what did he then study, and where was he appointed after that study? Well, he went to Kidderminster. They asked him to come, would you like to come and preach a sermon for us? And they loved his sermon, so he's appointed there as the pastor of the church. And he was a good preacher too. He must have been a great preacher. Because, well, let's get into that. But before we, we even go to, to the results of his preaching, uh, what sort of Christian was he from those who knew him? Well, he was ordained as the Church of England guy, so mm-hmm. he was a, they would have called him a priest in the Church of England. Was he intense with his Lord? Was he faithful? Was he loyal? Was he fiery? Well, he was, he was converted to Jesus, and he lived it. He moved it. He just wanted to be with God the whole time, so he was a great priest, a great preacher. It seems like he was breathing it, literally. What resulted from his ministry? Was it successful? Did the church fill up? Did it empty? How did it go? Well, you think of a little, small-sized town church, and he transformed the church, and it filled to overflowing, so they had to put galleries in to hold the crowds that came to hear him on Sunday as well as through the week. Was he a peace lover or was he a fighter? Because, you know, you meet some of these Protestants, I think of Zwingli and some of these other guys, they're real fighters. They're up for the battle, you know. In fact, Zwingli gets a sword out and dies in battle. What about this guy? Well, he uh, he really, he sided, he was in the Anglican Church and he sided with the Puritans who liked to live well and he opposed the church's episcopy. They didn't, he didn't like the, the way they ran the church and so, uh, but he was a peacemaker. So even though this conflict was raging, what was his motto? Well, his motto, in necessary things, unity. In doubtful things, liberty. In all things, charity. You might need to say that again because you dropped out. Let's hear those things again. Okay. In necessary things, unity. In doubtful things, liberty. In all things, charity. Good stuff. Who, who did he minister to in his church? I mean, if you look well, at my church, his- I'm in northwest Sydney. I'm ministering to a multicultural congregation. Who is he ministering to? 
Well, he he ministered a lot to the workers who worked in the textile workers. They were just, uh, they weren't well paid. They were the lowest class textile workers. He leaves the Anglican Church. What happened? Well, he saw himself as a nonconformist and he left them because the power it gave to the clergy and he became a peacemaker during the English Civil War. So that English Civil War was a vicious war between the parliamentarians and the king. Uh, took a lot of lives, a very troubled time in English history, correct? Yes. Did he take a side or was he moving between both sides or how, how did that work? He was more on the side of the king. He was... Was a chaplain, uh, sorry, on the side of Cromwell, he was a chaplain to the parliamentary army. But then he also assisted when Charles II came back. So he sort of helped both sides. He was a peacemaker. Did he have enemies and was he targeted by them? Uh, well, of course he had enemies. And finally, when he was offered a bishopric, he declines it. And so he's barred from all being any ecclesiastical office. He's forbidden to preach, and he can't go back to Kidderminster. That's his church. So he's expelled from the pulpit, basically. Yeah, he was just kicked out, and that was it. But it gets worse. He ends up in prison. Well, you know, in 1662, uh, when he was put out, 2,000 ministers were put out when there was an act of uniformity, and he didn't have a pulpit he didn't have a job so why is he in prison i mean it's one thing well, to he, get put out of your pulpit isn't it it's another thing to get whacked into a prison yeah he was put in prison but it would have been because of what he was saying and uh, he'd been helping the the parliamentary side cromwell side and now charles was back in and they didn't like that it's 18 months in prison so the king's in he's out of favor he got fined in the end didn't he yeah, he got, now listen, 400 pounds. Which was a lot of money. That's a, that's a, that's a fortune. Yeah, he must have, you'd almost think he must have had some support to be able to pay that. Did he receive <laughs> clemency? Yes, he did. They said, well, okay, when you go, to, when you go along the street, it, well, you don't have to be tied to a cart and through the streets. That was the clemency he got. Yeah, and I think we missed that. We're having troubles with this phone. You might have to tell us again, Harold, what happened there. Okay. The clemency stopped him. He didn't have to be tied to a cart, a horse and cart, and whipped as he went through the streets right. of London. So he missed out on the beating and the humility of being tied up to a horse and cart. Yeah. He was a rider, correct? Right. He, But he still preached. Yeah. He said, I preached as though I never could preach again. So he writes, he preaches. Would you call him more a writer or a preacher, or was he really both? Well, he was a writer too, because he wrote over 200 works and another 200 pamphlets. They reckon he actually never went back on a truth or a doctrine that he found in the Bible, that he was true and loyal to the end. Is, is that right? That's right, yeah. He dies. How, how, where, where, when did he die, and how old was he, more or less? Well, remember, he was born in 1615. Yep. Now he dies in London in 1691 so he would have been about 76 years of age which in those days was a grand old man it was a great age do you know if you think back on his life and you reflect on it how do you see it well i see here's a man and who lived 
Jesus would have lived. He was a peacemaker. He tried to help everyone. He was thoroughly converted, and he just wanted to live for Jesus. Thank you, Harold, for another great story. I'm sorry our line is a bit bad today. We might try and work on that next week a bit more for our listeners. But I think we got the gist of the story of a great man. God bless you, brother, and I hope to see you again shortly. Thanks, Harold. Sure. God bless. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. What's your favourite, mate? Oh, man, I, I, I'm getting harassed about that phone line. I'm thinking about it, and I'm sitting here for a bit of smoke coming out of my ears you over the mute it, button. and I missed the mute button for the third. That's not the I'm second. Kind, I'm kind of enjoying it, That's mate. a third time today. Uh, there is a fountain is filled a fountain. with blood. This is one of the beautiful songs in Christianity, and it's talking about Jesus who died on the cross. His blood was shed so that he could take your sins and mine, which are a plenty and pay the death price for him. It's a beautiful song. We often sing this one at church. I hope you enjoy it. It's been sung by Sila. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and
sins away Redeeming love has been my theme And shall be till I die No, Hunty, when you're a sinner like me, you mm. go to church and you've got these sins that you've given to the Lord Jesus and you know you've fallen down and you've broken Yep. and you're not always doing it as you can or you should Yep. and you go to Jesus and you give him your sins and then you go to church and you stand up and you've got a nice band behind you and good song service leaders like we have at New Hope, praise God, Yep. and you sing a song like that, it's a deeply moving worship experience. For sure. Very deeply moving, because there's something about music that tears down all your defences. That's right. And that's one of those songs when I'm in church, and, and I'm a pretty average Aussie bloke, as you are, hunty. Mm. I get teary. Mm. Why? Well, because I'm convicted of my own sin, sins, and as I give them to Jesus, and I'm singing about it, and I think about the price he paid and the relief it gives me, the escape from guilt and the escape from death. And I can live eternity because of Jesus. I sing that song that moves me. You know, I, I think there are a number of Christians who know they're forgiven when they ask. They know they're saved by grace. But I think the devil spins their head round and makes them look back at their past and look back at their sins and doubt whether they're forgiven. And I think, listeners, if you're one of those people, take comfort in the fact that Jesus is very clear. Yeah. Washed as white as snow. Yeah, he washes you as white as yeah. snow. And all your previous sins are gone. You're not free from the consequences, but you're free from Actually, the sins. a lot of the time you're free from the consequences. Mate, I like that. Because consequences are death. I, I, I've heard people say that through the years. Oh, you're not free from the consequences. Well, that, there, there's some truth to that, but, but it's not always right. If you're deeply entrenched in sin, there's no time right now to ask the Lord forgiveness, to repent, yep. and to turn around and go the other way. Yep. The consequences, if there are any, will, are any, will always be less if you turn right now. Well, I was talking about physical consequences on this earth. Like if you cheat on your taxes and you get busted, you get a $10,000 fine. Well, Jesus will forgive you, but you're still paying back the $10,000 fine to the ATO. As I say, there are some consequences. Yeah, yeah got it. But the consequences <laughs> are never, ever as heavy as they'll be if you keep going down that true, road. And true. sometimes the consequences are superficial. They're not there much at all. Jesus takes the takes the hit for you. Um, that's nice. And and you're free. Now that's not always the case, as you made very clear. But certainly the consequences are always mitigated when you're given your heart and your life to Jesus. This is a sermon I preached on Sabbath. Now I want you to remember that it is made again for for video, hunty. Yes. Where would you go if you wanted to watch this service? Aussie Pastor. Well, actually, yeah, yeah Aussie yeah, Pastor yeah. Facebook Pastor. page. Yep, yeah, we, yeah, we only, yeah. I only have one Facebook page Look, now. It starts off with a cartoon, but Lloyd describes the cartoon well. You'll get you'll get the start of this sermon. Yeah, easy. And, yeah. And, and, and if you listen carefully, what's it about? Um, well, it's Invest about, or Divest is yeah, the title. It's about being ready and how you get ready hmm. to go through what's ahead of us. And when Jesus comes at the other end, be saved. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it challenges you because it came from my heart. Thanks, Hunty. I like this joke. It's the far side. 
I don't know whether you can see it from down there, can you? picture of a man running into a lighthouse on a ship about to hit on the rocks and he has a, a bag and in the bag is light bulbs I like have you ever heard of far side comics I like far side you kind of get a, a sense of the twisted humor that the pastor has I love far side comics and I looked at that and I thought I hope that's not indicative of the church here we are in a world that's falling apart and I hope that we're not going to be a church that at the last minute runs into the lighthouse with the light bulbs when the ship, the world, the community that God's given us is already founded on the, or is about to found on the rocks. And our world is, and I don't think I need to prove this to you, but I have had a fascination with this in the last few months with what's going on in the world. And I'm a preacher who preached to the current times and I preach to what I sense is going on in the world and I try to preach in a way so it's relevant to you who are listening and for those who the thousands praise God who watch this every week online I got a feeling that the world is crashing I've had it for a few years now but every now and again we go through a little intense time where it's exacerbated inside of me and when you look at what's going on in Israel it's hard to believe that the world is not crashing I mean, right now in Israel and Palestine, it is very, very serious. We could be, possibly, the potential is there for a third world war. And I think we sit back here in Australia and we really have no idea in the peace and the security that we enjoy of what is actually going on. I mean, it bothers me when I look at what's going on over there. And what bothers me even more, as I was doing some reading this week, they do a lot of DNA testing on people. You know, you go into these DNA clinics, you can find out what you've got inside of you, where you come from, where your ancestors are. And I find that very interesting. And one of the things that came through as I was reading uh, this week is that the Palestinians and the Jews are actually blood brothers. Now, we've always known that, haven't we? Brothers brothers of uh, uh, sons of Abraham blood brothers but there's a fairly big line of thought now that the Palestinians actually were well at least have some of their ancestry in the Jews who were left behind when they were taken captive to Babylon you remember a group uh, a remnant stayed behind in Jerusalem and they find the blood of those people through DNA tests in current day modern Palestinians. And if you really want to know what is wrong with Israel and Palestine and why it's going so badly, I'll give you a snapshot right now. The problem is that you've got two of the world's great religions, Islam and Judaism. They're in a very small belt of land, so there's not a, room, not a lot of room to share with millions and millions of people there. And you've got Judaism and Islam without Jesus Christ and when you have religion without Jesus Christ you get an example of what is happening in Palestine right now um, Australia right now going into drought lots and lots of challenges with that I mean we've got bushfires we don't realize it because there's other news at the moment but bushfires right now breaking out all over Australia, very, very challenging. And wherever you go uh, in Australia right now, you've got the, the, the challenge of the referendum uh, as we rip each other apart. And it's been quite horrendous, I've thought, as an Aussie to sit back and watch how Australians have uh, attacked each other just this week 
over the result of this referendum. I was saying last night on my live Friday night program, and I say this to you, our church, as Christians, we have no right to attack those who voted no and call them racist, bigots, white supremacists. We have no right to say that. And we have no right to attack those who voted yes and call them elitist and, and liberals and woke. You can't do that in Australia. We are a democracy, praise God. My grandfather went and fought up on the Kokoda track against the Japanese for the right for Australians to vote how they want without vilification, without anger and without being put down. And so if you've been tempted to do that online or you've been tempted to do that to your friends because they didn't vote like you did, don't do that. Christians don't do that and Australians don't do that. We're a shining light of democracy and you have a right to think how you want. And wherever you look in the world at the moment, there is trouble, trouble, trouble everywhere. Viruses, new viruses breaking out. I mean, don't want to get too down today, but look at it. F food insecurity, there's hurricanes and disasters are going up, up, up. We've got financial insecurity, we've got depression, we've got job insecurity. Everywhere you look, people are afraid. And I think that if you're a student of prophecy, and if you're a student of the Bible, if you look into the Bible, you'd have to say to yourself, man, something is going on. There are signs everywhere that tell us that Jesus is coming. And I think if the Bible was to say one thing to us as Christians, it would be this. Wake up. I think that we, you notice I say we, not you. I'm not preaching to you, talking to me too. We need to wake up. We are living in a good country. We might fight over the referendum and other political things. We get some dissensions in our culture. We are struggling as a culture, but we're still a peaceful, prosperous, good place to live. And we're not recognising what the world is going through, the challenges the world faces, and how much the world teeters on the very edge. And we need to wake up. Young people in this church... Wake up. Husbands, wives, families. Wake up. I hate to say this, old people. Wake up. Jesus says, and these are Jesus' words in Luke 21, 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, what things? Well, he's just been talking about them, all the things of Matthew 24, all these signs. He says, when these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift your head up, for your redemption draws nigh. And yet we are sleeping. I like to sleep in. I've got a new approach of sleeping in in my house because I have a noisy wife. Very noisy, with very little consideration for a hard-working husband. And she'll get up and it sounds like a herd of elephants is in the house. In my bedroom, in my bed, there's alarms going off. It doesn't matter. She'll put the alarm at five o'clock in the morning and wonder why I get a bit cranky about that when she kept me up till one o'clock at night because she's a night owl and an early... Oh, I can't. A marriage counsellor, please. <laughs> um, I put on a mask. And then I put on my... I praise God because someone in this church gave me a brand new pair of earphones. 
Well, they're being used at work, so I use the old ones at home, which have fallen a bit, but I put them on, and I'm listening to music, or I'm listening to rain ambience, rain on the roof or whatever, so when, no matter what Liska does now, I'm going to sleep through it like a baby. Well, I think me sleeping in is a little bit like where the church is at today. We've got the face masks on, we've got the earplugs in, and I say this gently, we're pretending that what's going down isn't happening and that life's just going to keep going on like it has been, and I don't think it will. I think we are headed for great, great challenges. Perhaps when you look at these sorts of subjects, we go to passages in the Bible like the ten girls, five foolish, five wise, you know, the parable of the the lanterns. And we talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go there. I want to go somewhere different. I don't want to shock you today. I want to challenge you with the gentle love of Jesus and what he's calling us too as Christians and followers of his. I want to take you to a story found in Luke chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles open and follow with me, if you haven't well you can follow on the screen but I'd rather you be in your Bibles following because this is a story that Jesus told. Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. Then he told them a story. A rich man, Jesus loved to tell stories by the way. A rich man, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 verse 16 had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Now this story is about, I believe, can be applied to God's last day church. And not God's last day church in the developing world, God's last day church in Australia and New Zealand and the United States and Britain and Europe. A rich man, a church, a rich church. Uh, You say, oh, we're not a rich church. Well, we are a wealthy church financially, perhaps not so wealthy when it comes to on fire, full of the Holy Spirit people. Maybe that's coming. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. So you get the story. This guy is a very successful farmer. He's living in a, 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 he's living a good life. He's got plenty of money. And he says, what am I going to do? I've got more crops that I can deal with. I'm going to go and build another barn that's bigger so I can store more crops and I'll have more money and I'll be able to retire uh, easily. Uh, and I think that's our culture, isn't it? Am, am I going too hard on our culture to say that's how it works? That's how our culture works. I had a meeting with my superannuation guy this week. What am I doing? Well, I'm looking at my barn. I'm making sure it's going to have enough in it so that when I retire, I can take it easy. Eat, drink, non-alcoholic drink, of course, and non-sugar, and be merry. That is our culture. Jesus hit the nail on the head. Work hard, advance your cause, advance your cause, advance your cause. Build a bigger barn. Make sure that when you retire, you've got enough to live a good life until the day you die. 
That's our culture. Uh, that's how we work. It's ingrained in us. It's ingrained into Australian culture. It's ingrained into every single one of us where our whole lives and our whole experience are intrinsic, worrying about ourselves, worrying about our finances, worrying about our well-being, worrying about where we'll live, what we'll drive, what investments I've got. Uh, all this is a part of Australian culture. But Jesus then concludes this story by saying this. But God said to him, tough words actually, you fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Very, very challenging. Yes, a person is a fool, said Jesus as he concludes this story, to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. So why am I telling you this story? Well because I think this story depicts me and if I think this story depicts me and I'm an Aussie and I'm looking at a sea of Aussies I think it possibly could depict you too. As I say we have become obsessed with our superannuation, with what house we're going to live in, what holiday we're going to go on, what business we've got and how much money we've got in the bank. That is an obsession of ours Australians and of us in the church. And I'm warning you today and I want you to stop and to look at your life and to say to yourself and to ask yourself the question as I have been, am I majoring on those things in my life because if the answer is yes and it can be challenging to look at yourself like this I know I find it challenging but if your answer is yes then you're sinking your foundations deep down into the soil of this earth and I want to tell you that there is a crisis coming to this world and when the crisis hits and when the crisis comes to us and you say well when will that be well in some places in the world it's already happened go and live in Gaza and tell yourself you're not in the end of the world and facing a crisis or Ukraine or go to Sudan where there's a civil war and ask yourself is there not a crisis go to the Horn of Africa where right now drought and famine is threatening the food security of entire populations and ask yourself if you're not in crisis and we're protected from these things and there's a crisis coming and if you are relying on the things that I've been talking about today your super, your bank account if you are relying on uh, uh, your house to protect you somewhere where you've got to live or, 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 or what you've got in the bank this is going to come crashing down on your head and it's not going to work. And I want to tell you right now that the answer to this crisis is not to build bigger barns. When this crisis hits us, it's going to impact the wealthy and the rich and the middle class and the poor. There will be no exception and no amount of money you've got in the bank, no amount of security that you've got is going to protect you. 
As Jesus said when he concluded that wonderful little story of the man in the barns, the only thing that protects you is a rich relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, we should be spending a lot more time on establishing a rich relationship with Jesus than we should on our businesses and our superannuation and our bank accounts and our houses and our holidays and on what car we drive. Our overwhelming focus in our personal lives should be, must be, if we're going to survive what's coming to this world, must be our rich relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't build a bigger barn. I'll tell you something. Big barns burn just as quickly and just as easily and often more fiercely than little ones. And I'm not saying that if you're going to continue to rely on these things for your security that you're not going to go to heaven and you're not going to make it through the end of the time because you might well do through your faith and what you do have in Jesus Christ. But if you don't learn right now to establish and spend the time having a rich relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're not learning that now, if you're not learning to be tested, to put your faith in him in the little things now, practicing your walk with him practicing your faith with him practicing and experiencing this rich relationship with Jesus if you're not doing it now you're going to do it a whole lot harder when the barn burns I'm not saying you won't do it there are many probably possibly will but you're going to do it harder because you haven't prepared for what is coming and when your whole experience and security is reliant on the things of, these, of this world, when it's swept away and the barn is burned down and you've been relying on these things for your security, it will be a fearsome, frightening time. I sometimes work with people who are poor, very poor, struggling to put food on the table. And often I've said, and they look at me in a strange way, that, hey, when this all goes down, you're going to do better than everybody else. Why? Because they're already struggling, they're already battling, they've already had the rug pulled out from underneath them. And they're relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. That's the words of Jesus Christ. So what am I doing? I want to bring this back to me. And what I encourage you to do, well, spend more time in the Bible. This has been my cry now for several years, maybe longer in my ministry. You've heard me say this many times. All the times I've said this and preached this and taught this at our church, has it made any difference to the time you are spending in the Bible? I, I want to challenge you because this world is heading into deep crisis. Financial, economic, military, food, secure, all these things. Are you? Did you spend some time in the Bible this week with Jesus? And if you did, how much? Could you look back on your life and say, can I look back on my life this week and say, yes. Bible study and time with Jesus was a priority because you know where to go if you want to find Jesus the Bible the people just open their Bibles they find Jesus go to the Bible I mean I'm telling you right now good to read all these other devotional books even the books of spirit of prophecy but that does not surpass and it certainly doesn't replace the Bible 90-95% of your devotional study should be must be 
in the Bible. That's God's word to you. That's where you're going to find hope and you're going to find security and you're going to find a way through in the Bible. So I'm trying to spend more time in the Bible. I'm trying to spend, this is what I call the four disciplines of being ready for Jesus to come. Trying to spend more time in prayer. When I go on my bike rides now, I rode from my place to Windsor and back yesterday morning. Almost killed myself. It's hard work. Very, very hard. But when I'm on that bike, I talk to the Lord. And he talks back to me. Seriously. When I'm push bike riding. Might sound ridiculous, but he does. I know Hunty, when he's in the car, talks to the Lord. When he's by himself. And the Lord will talk back to him. I know my wife often disappears into the next door room to talk to the Lord. And he's talking back to her. her. So you need to establish a good prayer life now because when this thing blows up and it all goes down and every earthly support you have is pulled out from underneath you and if you're going to follow Jesus Christ through to the end, you've got persecution coming, you're going to lose everything. So you better get used to it now. And you better be a man and a woman of prayer. And so have you spent time in the Bible this week? And I've challenged you guys over and over on this and it's so important. Have you spent time in prayer this week? Stop and look at your life and say am I doing these disciplines that prepare me for where this world is headed now not next year not in a decade's time we might probably possibly won't even be here in a decade and then there's this and you're here church Bible study prayer church why because in church you're in fellowship with other battlers strugglers people who are doing it just like you and you come here and we support each other and we encourage each other and we study the word together and we sing beautiful praises like we did this morning even though the words were wrong in one of the songs it was still beautiful amen huh What's happening there? The Holy Spirit's among us. Angels are singing with us. We're getting lifted up. We're getting encouraged by each other, by the angels, by the Holy Spirit and by God himself who is here preparing us for what is coming. We are facing as a generation greater challenges and trials than any other generation in the history of the world. I don't know why God made it this way. And I don't know why he made you a, you a church member, a, a, a disciple, a believer, why he made me a preacher and a teacher in these times. I don't know, but he did. And for whatever reason, we've been called to live in it. But we're weak. We're, we're, we're open to temptation. We succumb to temptation. And we need these experiences with God and his people to help us get through. There's a reason why in China and some of these other closed Muslim countries of the world, people meet together in fellowship at the risk of their lives, being sent to jail and even executed and martyred to meet together in church. Why? Because there's power in church. And in a city like ours where there's thousands and thousands of ex-believers, because they stopped coming to church and stopped experiencing that and they just wandered away. They say it only takes two weeks to get into a habit not to come to church. You know, they say also that, and I, we've got a few Africans here, so I might get into trouble saying this, but then when lions are hunting over there in Africa, where's honest? I don't know whether this is true, honest. Is it true that they 
sideline a weaker herd member. That is true. And they go after that weaker one. So if they can get him out from the herd, then that wildebeest or zebra or whatever, um, springbok, is easier to, to, to hunt and kill and eat. True? I think that's what Satan does to us. He gets us out of our Bible study, our prayer, and out of the church, and kaboom. And this last one, what do you think that one is up the top there? Sharing Christ. So you've got, get your Bible study going, get into your prayer life, become not just a church goer, but an active, I love our church that so many people are, in fact just about everyone in our church is active. I praise God for that. Can I hear an Amen. You've got a little church tonight hosting a thousand people. You can't do that if the church is not active. Amen? Amen? And if you're struggling to come to church and you're battling with the idea that you need to be there, then I'll tell you what you need to do. Is you need to come to church and stop pew sitting and start doing something. Because if you're doing something, you never leave the church. It's the pew seaters. You know, the first thing Jesus, Satan, excuse me, the first thing Satan will do to get you out of the church and stop you working for the Lord in the church. When he can stop you working for the Lord in your church, then he's going to start to sideline and get you to stop attending church. When he can stop you attending church, he's going to sideline and take you out like he has so many before you. The, the last one, sharing Christ. When you've got the Bible study, the prayer, when you're into your church, well, I tell you what, God's going to open a lot of opportunities for you to share Jesus. You don't even have to try. I keep telling people, you've heard me say this before, don't try to share Jesus. Just let him open the door. When he opens the door, walk through it and do it. You don't have to look for opportunities. You don't have to try and seek them. You don't have to try and create them or make them. Just wait. Ask the Holy Spirit, say, I'm here, I want to share. Just wait. Oh, he'll tell you when it's time and he'll give you the words to say, share. So, so these are four things I'm doing to prepare for this crisis, which I think might be coming to us right now. Um... I'm kidding to the conclusion. I don't want to build bigger barns. This is me. I don't want to. I don't want to invest in this world anymore. I want to divest. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking in my mind. I want to divest from this world. I want to divest from this world financially too. At a time in my life, I can share this where I should be looking at investing more and more man i'm 60 what am i running around trying to make a lot of money for i probably won't be here in 20 years if i am i'll be 80 and be in a nursing home and Lisa will be spending my money in indonesia having holidays (laughs) what i want to invest in this world for when jesus comes I've said this before here. You know what I want to be when Jesus comes? I want to be flat broke. I want to spend every single cent I have, and it's not a whole lot, every cent I have by the time Jesus comes in the work. Because if I haven't done that, it's going to get taken off me anyway, true? Amen? And I can talk to you about money and I can talk about us Adventists who are so good at hoarding money and, and banking money and putting millions and squillions. What for? But it's not really the money that God wants. God wants your heart. And you know what he wants more than your heart? He wants your time. He wants your time. He wants you to be spending time with him and working for him. 
And it's the time that God wants, your heart and then your time that he wants first. Hey, guess what? I was thinking about this when I was doing this sermon. If I go to Adventists, I talk to Adventists for a moment, and I ask for money or their time, what do you think is the easiest to get out of them? Money or your time? What do you reckon? Some are saying money. The easiest thing to get out of them is money. No one wants to give their time. Am I right? Man, I've had guys come to me. I remember one guy came to my church. He's a multi-millionaire. Really, really good friend of mine. No longer walking with the Lord. He said, here's $10,000 to go on this mission trip. He gave me ten grand. I said, God doesn't want your ten grand for the mission trip. He wants you on the mission trip. Do you get the difference? By all means, give us ten grand if that's what you want to do. But in the end, God wants you on the mission trip. God don't need your money. But he does need your time. And he calls for it. I don't want to build a bigger barn. How about you? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Last Bible text today. Well, I think it is. This one. Amazing. Found in Job chapter 11, 13 to 19. And this is my prayer for my life. It may not be for you, but it's for me. It goes like this. This is, this is my prayer. Surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Wow. Then you won't be ashamed. You'll be confident and fearless. Don't you want that? Your troubles will go away like the water beneath a bridge and your darkest night will be brighter than the noon. You will rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. You will sleep without fear and be greatly respected because you have a rich and a deep relationship with Jesus. Based in Bible study, based in prayer, based in church, based in sharing. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what I pray for you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hope. Oh, oh, hope. That was on to me. Ah, okay. I had your master mute button down, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I hope and, and pray you are blessed by that. It, it was from my heart, um, talking about the importance of some disciplines in your life as this world comes crashing to an end. There's a good song, this one. Uh, from Gordon Moat, who's actually blind and a brilliant pianist. And he does a lot of music for Gaither and Jason Crabb. These are two mates. Jason Crabb's got his own music career, actually comes from the Crabb family, a very famous singing family in the United States. These two got together and they sang, they, they sang this beautiful song. They put it together and they sang it. It's called Thank You, Lord, for Your Blessings. You know why I put this in there, Hunty? Why is that? Because I think sometimes we go through life and we forget to see the blessings True. and the good things God's True. doing for us. True. I hope True. you enjoy it. While the world looks upon me As I struggle alone They say I have nothing But they are so wrong In my heart I'm rejoicing Though the world may not see Thank you, Lord For your blessings on me Cause there's a 
song mm-hmm. that's a beautiful song those guys are really nice too nice. um really nice hey um every friday night we do a live program from the studio we, we do we take the risk when i say every it'd be nine out of ten on, on the odd occasion hunty and i might be on the road and so we'll record one um but we do it live from here. We take the risk. Cause, w- tell us, Hunty, what is the uh, internet like in Australia? Oh, look, the internet in Australia is not even as good as the internet was in America 20 years ago. Yeah. So it's pretty and our, our connection from our studio to the real world is we go wirelessly to a little switch router, and then we go cable to another switch router. There'll be a microwave so, to Telstra's tower before we even get to the end. In, in other words, it's hard. hard oh, look, the fact that we're on here is a miracle. Every every time we do a radio program and we stay up for two hours, it's a miracle. But we're starting a new thing because we actually have a list. It's a text, a phone text. Is that how you'd say it? A phone text list? We have a sign-up list. A sign-up list, yes, yeah. for anybody who wants to be notified when you go live. We haven't been using it. We haven't used it for but a long time. we're run. about to, starting mm. this Friday night. And we're, we're certainly very cognizant of the fact that you don't want to get, you know, inundated, Hunty, by by messages from us. And we so, would never do that. No, nah, we only send a few here and there to let you know. Um, New programs, new yeah, series. Yeah. But, Hunty, um, if you wanted to get on that sign-up list, how would you do it? Very easy. www.aussiepasta.com. So, aussiepasta.com is our website. And right on the front page... There's a big button that says sign up. Yeah. So I want to encourage you to do that. Go to our webpage, 
um, aussiepastor.com. Dot com. Pretty mm. easy. And you'll see the easy. sign up thing. Sign up. And that way you'll know when a program comes out. And I would say generally you would never get more than one text a week. Correct. And mostly not even one text every three or four weeks. <laughs> but we are going to try and send one text out a week. And on that text we'll just let you know what's going to happen on Friday night, what the subject is, and you can we'll put a link there so you can click onto it. So if you're interested, you can keep up with us. What do you think about that idea, Hunter? There's a bit of tech to get in, in, in place before we can do that, but we have done it before. Well, I'm I'm going to I'm, I'm going to do a um uh, John Carter. <laughs> we'll go forward I, I, in faith. I'm going to tell you that this Friday night if you sign up you'll be getting a text message from us. Absolutely essential. Um we will be doing it because we think it's important that those who do want to know know that we're on. And we don't start bang on time either. We start when we're ready, don't we? Oh, I think we're going to send a text message out. We will be starting bang on time, which will be 7 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, we've got all Friday to get ready for it, so that's what we'll be doing. We'll be starting bang on the money, 7 o'clock on Friday night, and we'll try to do that every Friday night. We'll try to be uh, very consistent. We are pretty good, Hunty. We are. The only time we don't start on time is if there's a tech failure, and oh. the tech failure is usually around um, usually around our internet. Yeah, you're going to say? Oh, so I said, well, the other, the other week we decided to change some slides. Did we? We did. Well, I, I suggested the slide changes. <laughs> Thanks. I'll throw myself under the bus. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> this is a song, Yet Not I, But Through Christ by City of Light. One of the girls who sings in this group, this band, is my son's teacher at school. Right. And it's a beautiful song, talking about Jesus and how it's all about him. And it is all about him. Hope you enjoy it.
songs we sing at church a whole lot mm. really enjoy that one hey um this is a testimony i like testimonies andrew yeah. testimonies are just stories about how jesus jesus mm. finds people too. love them this is about a young fella he's really young when he, even as he does a test maybe 16 or 17 that young yeah on the video wow and he talks about how jesus found him it's a good story it's not a long one i think you're going to be moved by it i was anyway have a listen Hey, my name is Viktor Saikoski, and I was born in Belarus, and from a very young age, um, my biological father divorced my mom, and since uh, my very early childhood, I was uh, raised up without a father, and on top of that, my mother was uh, constantly moving from city to city for better job opportunities, so I ended up uh, alone uh, without really much friends throughout my whole childhood. and uh, growing up, I, I was truly just kind of growing up by myself. And uh, in my childhood as well, I, I became uh, an atheist. I, I adopted a, a worldview of atheism, and I, and I truly believed that uh, there is no such thing as God. Uh, you know, uh, it actually became to me almost as a sport to argue Christians and to deceive Christians out of uh, their belief into Jesus. Uh, because uh, I was so radical for atheism, I was so radically uh, uh, believed believing in atheism and there's no such thing as God. And as I, as I was growing up older, uh, my mom actually got married again. And now this time it was my stepfather and, and my mom. And they were both uh, uh, abusing alcohol and there was also drug abuse in my family. And at the age of, of around 15, my mom got divorced again. And this time, uh, me, my mom and my sister, we moved to the United States of America. Uh, and here in America, our life was very challenging. Uh, uh, you know, just trying to, my mom trying to provide for our family, working two, two shifts just to provide for my family. And then sometime our stepfather actually moved here to the United States as well and he reached out to us uh, saying that he got saved, that he now is a changed man, he, uh, he no longer does drugs and um, consumes alcohol, which we found very hard to believe. Uh, you know, me being atheist, uh, you rejected that idea of church right away. Way, and I thought that man is as a liar. He did not change. Uh, but either way, as the time went by, uh, my family slowly got reunited again, and uh, my mom remarried. I met again my stepfather, and uh, slowly but surely, my family started coming to church. But me myself, uh, um, I still wasn't a solid believer. I, I I was deep in my pride, believing that there is no such thing as God, and uh, really married to the idea uh, of atheism. And as the time went by, I became a halfway in, halfway out believer. I was a certain person during Sunday service, but a certain person outside of Sunday service, a completely different person. Um, but two years ago, something radical happened to me. I had a supernatural encounter with God, with Holy Spirit. And on that night, as I was uh, going through the prayer, uh, getting prayed over, uh, I just collapsed on, uh, from, from, from my legs and I was on the floor for three, four hours just encountering God. And uh, God never, at that moment, seemed more real to me than ever before. At that moment, uh, I believe, is when God completely delivered me, completely set me free and transformed me from uh, in, inside out. At that moment, I experienced the presence and the love of the Holy Spirit like I never felt it before. 
since that day, God broke off so many things from my life. He broke off that doubt and unbelief, and He broke off uh, a pornography addiction, and He truly changed my heart uh, into what I'm here now today. Uh, he changed my mind, and ever since that encounter, my life has been transformed. My life has been changed. Ever since I surrendered my life to God and, and took that step of faith from being an atheist to believing in God and believing in His power because that same power and the power of God hit me and completely transformed my life. And I, now I'm here today at a hungry gen leadership. I'm here learning about deliverance. I'm here learning about supernatural, about healing, about the Word of God and really going deeper into the Word of God. And I'm, I'm excited to see what God is going to be doing in my life. Excited to what God is going to do through me. I'm excited to see deliverance as healings and supernatural activated in my life through the power of God. I believe that today, the same thing that God did for me, He can do for you as well. He can take that same unbelief. Even though I did not believe in God, even though I cursed God, God still chose me. God still believed in me. God loved me. God encountered me. Even in the midst of all my unbelief, in the midst of me denying Him, denying His existence, God loved me and God chose me and God encountered me. So I believe that today God has the same opportunity for you. And if today you find yourself in a position where you don't believe in God, or you find yourself in a position where you're struggling with addictions, or your family struggling with addictions, or you're, you're, you're find it hard to believe that there's such thing as God. I want to encourage you to today make that step and believe that there is God, that He's pursuing you today. As you're watching this right now, God is with you. God sees you and God is pursuing your heart today. And I want you to invite you, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer with me and to invite God in your life because I believe that He will truly change your life. He will truly change the course of your life forever, for eternity. And today He can grant you the gift of everlasting life. He can deliver you and He can set you free. So just repeat this after me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just fill me right now. I give my life to you. I ask that you would deliver me, set me free, heal me, save me. And today, God, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything I have and ask for your forgiveness. Let your blood cleanse me today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, and if you prayed this prayer, uh, I want to encourage you, get plugged in, get plugged in into the Word of God. Start reading scriptures. Start reading scriptures every day. Start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke. Start reading the Bible. Start reading the Word of God. Start praying and, and, and uh, seek, that, seek to be connected to church. Connect uh, uh, to maybe even a hungry gen online. Uh, start coming to church and start going after God. And He will show you. He will reveal to you all His glory, all what He has for you. Seek God. He will encounter you. He will show you all His glory, all that He has for you for your life. He will truly transform you. And I believe the same thing He did for me, He will do in your life also. He will deliver you. He will heal you. And that same power is available to you here today. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
Pretty good testimony from a young fella. Beautiful. Mm. This, uh, well, second to last song, our program's coming to an end, Hunty. It is. My Heavenly Father watches over me. Love Ernie these guys. Hass yeah. And Hass or Hass? I would say Ernie Hass, but I don't know. Mm. Ernie Hass and Signature Sound. And it's a good story about how God was watching over that young fella, called him at the right time. He's watching over you, and if your heart's open, or when your heart's open, he'll call you too. I trust in God Wherever I may be Upon the land Or on the stormy Father watches over me. What a ripper of a song. And guess what, listeners? It's time for my favourite segment, Ask the Aussie Pastor. I've got him in the crosshairs right now. Shall we get on with it, mate? Does that mean we've got six minutes? Uh, it does. That's a long time. Well, I'm going to put in a little plug, I think, for 
how people can get to us. Yep. And I'll waste at least a minute of that. So oh, quick, if you quick. want to send your questions in, you can always text them to us on 0488 880851. Almost forgot that. And if you want to email us, it's very simple. Theaussiepasta at gmail.com. Almost forgot it. You were reading it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, folks? Listeners, here I go what happened? The bus again. What happened? Is he lost his place on the screen? <laughs> go on, hit me, man. All right, looking for the hardest question to go first uh, now, just for that. Okay, okay. I'm jumping to question three. Okay, why is my heart so hard? I just cannot seem to read the Bible. Pray. There's just no way there is any traction between God. Uh, I guess in me, and it it worries me. What can I do? What would you say, Hunty? Oh, I would start with what um, what I'm grateful for, where I can see God in my life, where I've seen yeah, him in the past. He's talking about him. What would you tell him? Not, not look, you. Sorry, look, not you personally. Look for God. Look for where God's blessed you over the years. Look for times he's been close to you and remind yourself that he's real. I mean, I, imagine you were created by God who loves you or imagine you evolved as one of the two. Okay. I always think, well, of course I was created by God who loves me. Um, yeah, good, good. So uh, I look for where he's been close to me in my it, life and I try and find that again. Is, I, I would argue that God is talking to this guy and his heart's not as hard as he thinks. Why Ooh, would I say that? Because he's texted us. That's exactly right. <laughs> and we never talked about this. Ten out of ten, you're on fire, Andrew Hunt. <laughs> mate. Yeah. It, it, mate, if, if your heart's so hard, what are you doing texting us? He clearly, Your heart's he not clearly hard seeking, at all. He's looking. Yeah. yeah, the Lord, yeah. the Lord, Lord, and you have got a thing going on. That's it's it. just that you've probably, and I've got taken a guess here, Hunty, probably been immersed in sin, maybe some pretty serious sin, and you feel like your heart's hard. And there is no doubt that when you first are coming back to God, I don't know how you found this, Andrew. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to read the Bible and find it interesting. Correct. It can be hard to get down on your knees and, for any amount of time, uh. You know, be in prayer and, and feel like there's any traction going you on know, between you and God. You know, what I what I see a lot in, in my friends is the devil specialises in bringing up your past and telling you you're not good enough and God's not forgiven you. And to me, when I read this, why is my heart so hard? Why can't I read the Bible? Because I think you're carrying guilt. I think you're not 100% certain that your sins are forgiven. And I can assure you, Lloyd can absolutely a assure prof- you. A prophetic word from Andrew Hunt. <laughs> well, you, you did the assurance because you're the pastor. No, I'm just enjoying, <laughs> I'm just enjoying how you know what's going on in this guy. Well, looking heart. at the question, look at the, looking at this question to me, I would say there's barriers. And, and the biggest one that Satan throws at people is you're not good enough and you're not forgiven. When you are good enough and you are forgiven. Ah, uh, look. I mean, this is sage advice. I, I, look, I think it's hard to know where he's coming from. Really, sure, sure. Um, one of the things that makes it hard to come back to Christ is that we've spent so far, so long away from Him that our mind has been so immersed in the world that it's become injured to the ways of Christ. And so, when you're trying to come back because you've been in the world, your mind is not getting the traction with Him that you might want. Mm, so, point. what are you going to do about that, Andrew? Good point. See how. Pushing this one back on you. Well, you gonna, your, your mind is really hard, and it is hard, genuinely hard. You, you want to come back to Jesus. You're feeling that kind of gentle, incessant mm, pull from the mm. Holy Spirit, but you're struggling to get back. So what do you do? Well, there's a meme that I like to quote, and it's um, usually a picture of, of one set of tracks in the sand on the beach. And the, the, the adage is that when God seems far away, well, guess who moved? Yeah, okay. Okay, all that, but practically. Practically, it's um, sit down right now, get a quiet place, sit down right now, open your heart to the Lord in prayer. What if I'm doing that and I'm just not feeling it? 
Because yeah. I think that's what he's saying. I'm trying to pray and I don't feel it. Google, Google I'm trying to read. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to read the Bible and I'm not feeling it. Then find out what's blocking you. What are you worried about? What if he doesn't know? I, I know I'm pressing here. The reason I'm pressing is because these are questions these that are this guy's questions. got, but they come through from others too. Well, I feel like I've got the magnifying glass burning a hole in you, so spin it around. You're the guru. <laughs> I'm not a guru, actually, because I don't think there's any set way to okay. come back to God. I mean, you come back on a different road than I came back. Everyone's on a different road. I think, though, if you're struggling, what Hunty said, well, I think, did you say, prayer. well, maybe not. But I was saying trying to reconnect with prayer. I, <laughs> Get yourself into a state of worship. Just start doing stuff. Go to church. How often am I saying that these days, Auntie? It's very important. I don't, it, look, when you go to church, you get yourself around other believers that are struggling like you. You can talk to them, and they'll talk to you, and you share each other's struggles. You pray for each other. You go out and you feel better after church, even if the pastor's a boring preacher. That's it. You feel better because you've been in the presence of God with other believers and you've been in worship. And, and you might not be real good at worship, but there's a whole lot of people in that church who are good at worship and the Holy Spirit that's around strong with them mm. is going to impact you too. The Holy Spirit will impact you and you're going to feel it. Mm. And the other thing that I've done, hunting, and I know you do this too, is music. Oh, yeah. I get a lot of good – if I'm struggling – because I have days when I'm struggling to read the Bible. I don't feel like my prayers are getting through. It's a bit different than what you're going through, mate, but I have them. So what I do, I get into a spirit of worship. I'll sit down. I'll spend half an hour or more just listening to really generally quiet spiritual songs, hunty. Challenge God. Ask him to come and find you in prayer. Say, Lord, well, he, he will. Come, come get me. But if you get yourself into that spirit of worship, you're going to start to feel the Holy Spirit. And the other thing is, learn to obey the Holy Spirit. When he comes to you and he talks to you about stuff in your life you've got to remove, listen to him, obey and do it. I think we might come back and revisit this I one. I think we should. Hunting. That's a ripper of a question. Whoever sent yeah, that yeah. in. Can it's we, anonymous. Can, can we revisit that? Love to. Yeah. Um, I think we're coming to the end of our... I think we should go to a song. Yeah. Look, you know what? Life is tough. Things are not easy at the moment out there, and people are going through great challenges. Even here in Australia, where life is pretty good, there's great challenges out there. We're all, many of us are struggling to make it financially. Jobs are insecure. Relationships are shaky. Sometimes we need to stop, and we need to look up, and we need to remember that no matter how bad things are here, sooner or later Jesus is going to split that eastern sky apart. He is going to come, and there will be joy in the morning. If you knelt beside the rubble of an aching, broken heart When the things you gave your life to fell apart You're not the first to be acquainted with sorrow But the master promised sunshine after rain. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping only that. Joy comes in the morning. 
That's a great song from Jesse Dixon. Jesse mm. passed on. Oh. He's asleep in the Lord now. He died a year or two back. It wasn't that old either. Um, but he's always a beautiful singer for the Gaither guys. And he had his own ministry too, and his own church that he used to pastor in. Hey, Hunty, you and yes. me are going to be in Canberra on November 18. And I'm looking for the text you don't right know, now. You, got don't, it. you don't it. know about that, do you? Saturday, November 18 at 6.30pm in did, the Albert Hall. Did you know that we're going to be there? Didn't know I was going to be yes, there. Yes, you are going to be there, and we're looking forward to it. So if you're listening to Faith FM, and you're going to be around Canberra on November 18, we'll talk about it a lot more. Wow, it's talking about dinner and prizes yeah, and interviews. Yeah. We'll talk about it a lot more next week. In fact, we might even talk to some of the guests that are going to be there. What with a good money. idea. Um, uh, start to put it aside Hey, I'm glad you've joined us Let's have a prayer Father in heaven, thanks for being with us today We are a bunch of sinners In need of a saviour In Jesus we got one and we're so thankful Give our hearts to him Ask Lord that those who are listening Would consider giving their hearts to him too If they haven't And pray Lord that when you come together As friends, family and brothers and sisters in Christ We'll be ready through grace, faith in you t- uh, To live eternally with you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, Aussie past, and I love you. And my name's Hunty. I'm the tech, and I love you too. But you know what? Jesus loves you so much more. And? See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 